0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recording started. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to this week's Matrixic Discussion Group Call for Tactical Sovereignty. And we're just on here kind of chit-chatting this evening. I've got something I want to go over regarding rights but uh, first, got a uh, buddy, uh, Captain John, here with us this evening, chit-chatting. And he was just talking about some of the things that he's recently uh, had occur with him. And so I'm just going to kind of sit back for a second and uh, let him fill you all in. How you doing, brother?
1: Okay. Yeah, um, just to preface this, you know, I have shared this with Tactical Sovereignty prior. And my two Facebook groups, uh, County Assemblies and National Liberty Alliance-Illinois, has what I'm about to talk about in the files section. So you can take a look at our paperwork. Um, about six years ago, I took a 30-second elevator ride in the, in the court building. And uh, there were two gals in the elevator with me. And they had these little paste-on, little ID tags. Um, And I had a brief discussion on jury nullification. 32nd elevator ride from the 1st to the 4th floor with two unescorted women in the elevator. Well, that led to the uh, powers that be in this jurisdiction charging me with two counts of attempting to contact the juror. Now, number yeah. one, Try, you're trying
0: to, trying to sway a jury. And, you know, what? I think a lot of people with us right now know what that is all about. But for people that just stumble on this recording, you want to explain what jury notification is for people?
1: Well, technically, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But basically, the jury has the power to look at the facts and the law and in these private for-profit foreign tribunals, a.k.a. courts, they'll only tell you that you can rule on the law. They don't tell you you can rule on facts. Um, And so jury nullification means that the jury can find you not guilty by, by just overturning the law, by saying the law is not fair. Whatever the decisions are by the jury... But they have decided that this is just unfair and they can overrule the law. That's the best way to put it. They can overrule the law. And this is something that these private tribunals will fight to the death to protect and which is why they retaliated against me. So that's jury nullification as I understand it.
0: Yeah, that's the way I see it as well. uh, Jurors have two things to perform. Uh, one, they can try the case, and number two, they can try the law. But they're never told about really trying the law. They're only told about trying the case and coming up with a decision of guilty or not guilty. So anyway, yeah. go ahead, bro.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I, I guess I could I could do the color commentary of the story, but, but I'll, I'll skip to it. Um, the crux of the issue was right after this elevator ride, Um, I was dragged, I was there fighting a foreclosure, and uh, I was dragged out of that courtroom and before this judge that I had been dealing with with the foreclosure, and she was in a rage. I mean, she was totally out of control. And uh, she was yelling and screaming at me about, um, you know, I don't have to obey the law, and I knew at this point, and Brian knows me, I could have been very eloquent and had a very good argument with her, but she was so out of control. That I knew that the moment I opened my mouth, I would be held in contempt and would be jailed. I knew it immediately. So I just took the barrage of abuse. And two days later, there were these charges. And I did not even find out about them until, and here's part of the scam of these tribunals. All of a sudden, I got about nine solicitation letters from different law firms to defend me on a charge I didn't know they even brought against me and they had issued a warrant for my arrest, but that's how I found out, because all this mail came to me. Well, I hid out for about six years, and it cost me a lot in that regard. Um, but to make a long story very short, and not get into great detail, um, I sent a conditional acceptance uh, document along with a an affidavit of negative environment that partners with that. It's all very standard operating procedure. Um, And I actually have this on videotape because during the COVID that that these appearances were on Zoom. Um, And I actually have the judge tell me that she doesn't even know what an affidavit of negative environment is. And of course, my girlfriend was in the room with me and she will testify that it was everything I could do to break out in hysterics laughing at her for that one. Uh, and the, the one thing that I think drove the prosecutor to drop the case is during this interchange, I asked her, I said, do you work for a sovereign government or do you work for a corporation? And she was stunned. She didn't know whether, you know, you'd go doo-doo or go blind. And uh, I said, well, who signs your paycheck? And she said an amazing thing. She said the Illinois Supreme Court signs her paycheck. Well, that alone is incredibly valuable information because nobody knew that up until that time. Or at least I didn't know of anybody who knew that because they hide their finances and I've looked hard. Um, so um, throw that all in the mix. And of course there was a lot more stuff that we could talk about in my paperwork, which I told you where it's at. It's all there. You can look it up. Um, the t- Term, if I'm not going to get it right, it's nolle prosecutoriat something like that, nolle, uh, which means um, that the prosecutor ceased to prosecute the case, it wasn't dropped. Prosecution. So then I started researching what that meant, and, and it is generally used by prosecutors. When for example they find they can't find their uh their key witness to a case. They have no case because they can't locate okay. prosecution, um, or you know uh they can't go forward that they're gonna lose it. And so the case was dropped. Uh and that's right now. So now that I've had that clear. I haven't had a driver's license in six years, and Brian and I have talked about the pluses and the minuses of that, but because, and I'll go through this quickly, um, I've authenticated my COLB at the state and federal level, I got my assumed name certificate, aka a DBA in Minnesota, which is good in all 50 states, and most importantly, I did my resignation for agent of service process. I went to get a driver's license. I had to jump through a bunch of hoops, and that's a, that's a colorful story in itself. Um, but I did get the driver's license. Um, and for those of you who may not put this all together, uh, like my, my friend Nikki, um, she says, oh, my God, you, uh, you signed up for an adhesion contract. And oh, this, that, and the other. People don't understand what it means when you resign as agent for service of process. I'll quickly explain this. When you get pulled over on the highway for a broken taillight, the cop does not issue you with the belly button a citation. He issues the citation to that name that you see on your driver's license, which you can call it whatever you want. I like Brian's term, organized organization. Some people call it a corporation. Some people call it a straw man. Some people call it an all caps name. Point is, that's who the cop is issuing the citation to. Now, when you resign as agent for service of process, you are no longer the agent. Say I want to sue McDonald's in Illinois. Well, I got to go to the agent for McDonald's in Illinois to serve them the paperwork. It's the same thing with us. That citation is for that entity and there's. They, since the, our certificate of live birth, we're the agent. We're responsible. Some will use the term surety, which also applies to what we're discussing. When you resign as agent for service of process, what Brian and I did is we told them to take a hike. We're not into this. We don't know who you guys are. We are not getting paid. We don't want to be part of this organization anymore. We've resigned, and any other issues that you may have, in the future please take it to that organization we're no longer the agent, and so that's the power so when i went and got my my driver's license and nikki was screaming about adhesion asian contracts it doesn't matter because anytime that the dmv or a cop or whatever would bring up an issue using that organized organization name don't take it to me i'm not responsible Now, understand the one caveat is what is referred to as corpus delicti crimes or under common law referred to as crimes with a victim. So you're not off the hook on murder and rape or I broke your window with a baseball anywhere that there were damages, anywhere there was a victim. And I call those common law crimes rightfully. I don't care what the statutory crap all the people say. Um, Yeah, you're still liable for that. But anything statutory, broken taillights, speeding, uh, illegal lane change, whatever. Um, No, take it to somebody else. So right after I got the driver's license in my hand on a Tuesday, on Friday, um, I went online and I typed up uh, a request for the driver's license abstract, which is the history. And I filled out the form correctly and I tested it. And it came back no history found. Now this is you know right after I got my new license, so uh, that's really what I wanted to cover here um, in this short period of time on what's been up with me, oh since November, and the things that Brian and I share um, do work. They do work, and I'll wrap it up. I my what I advocate with people that follow my calls. Is simply contract law. I don't use anything else. I don't care about administrative, maritime, admiralty, uh, common, constitutional, port. I don't give a flying patootie. I only use contract law. Um, and this is kind of interesting. And this is what I, what, with contract law, in concert with the Clearfield Doctrine, anytime you have a problem with a court, I have said for years, I don't care about the merits of the case. I don't care what you did or didn't do. I don't care what they charged you with. I don't care what kind of evidence they have. I don't care. The only question that I want to ask is who the crap are you? Who are you? And the reason I bring that up is because every document that I've ever received, like, uh, well, I'll just give you an example. We're de- I'm advocating a divorce case in Wisconsin. And the court header says something to the effect that says, "Circuit Court, Shawano County, Wisconsin." No such entity exists. Not anywhere. Not anywhere. Now I don't remember the exact wording, but if you go to Dunn's, there's a corporation by the name of something like the. Uh, I just just making this up. Fourteenth Circuit of Shawano County. State of Wisconsin, something to that effect. There is that organization, but that appears nowhere on any of the court paperwork. So my first question, as I stated, is who are you? I don't know who you are. And using contract law, where's my contract with you? And if there is a contract there with you, then did I get full disclosure? And so that's what I advocate today that works that is working for us. And so the bottom line is um, you never, you know, what do you do about it? Well, you sue, you sue the public official in their private capacity as an employee of the corporation. I've had many Patriot groups in Illinois want me to assist with them in suing the governor of the state of Illinois. That's a loser. You don't sue the governor of the state of Illinois. What you sue is J.B. Pritzker, the man, in his private capacity as an employee of the state of Illinois Corporation. And that comes right out of the Clearfield Doctrine, which I think was 1792, right? Um, And the Clearfield Doctrine was a ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States of America that basically says, The moment that a sovereign government lowers itself to the, engaging in commerce, when a sovereign government engages in commerce, it lowers itself to the status of a mere corporation. And the corporation and its employees can be sued like everybody else. And so that's where I'm at in what I am doing now. And we're having success with this. So that's everything that I wanted to throw out there quickly there, Brian.
0: Yeah, I I think specifically in the Clearfield Doctrine, it refers to its use of chattel paper. So essentially, if if they are conducting business in Federal Reserve notes, then the status has been lowered.
1: Well, actually, that, that brings up an interesting article that showed up in my feed from several years ago. And I only read it once, and I'm really tired. But the gist of it was that every his position was everything was a trust. And it fits in with everything that I just said a moment ago. But, Brian, you touched on the magic. Um, in order for a, corporate, uh, a contract to be valid, you know, you got to have the three elements of a contract. You have to have an, a meeting of the minds. You have to have full disclosure. And you have to have equal compensation. It's that third item that he brought up that says no contract is valid anywhere because there's no real money. (laughs) Can't have a valid contract if you don't have any money for the exchange. So I just came across that today and I've got to research that. That's a a very interesting point to throw into what I had just presented.
0: Well, it's something you brought up there that's very important as well is when it comes to full disclosure and everything being operated through trust, because it is, everything is a trust format. Even the roads you're driving on or traveling on, whatever you happen to be engaging in when you're on those roads, those roads are even held in trust. I've, I've found that in county paperwork, which totally explained to me how come one road might have three different names depending on whether it's going through town or south of town or north of town, you know, there'll be multiple names to it, which we find confusing. But when you look at it from an aspect of a trust, that means that whenever they're applying for federal funds for improvement of a road, uh, how about instead of getting federal funds for the name of one road, you can get federal funds for the names of three different roads because they're under three different trusts. And when it comes to trust, one of the things that is unique about trust, and I think the reason why they use trust, is because full disclosure is not required when it comes to a trust relationship. Those things can be kept hidden unless you require to see them. Otherwise, they don't have to show you anything in a trust situation.
1: I, I want to add to what you just said because this is this just this is beautiful. Everything you just said leads into what I'm going to mention. So, yeah, you mentioned the roads are in a trust. But more importantly,
0: as I understand
1: it, I read a 50-page dissertation on, on, on this. It just blew my mind. But the short version is that any road that receives federal funding is considered to be under the federal government. And so that's just about every road out there. Meaning that the county Mounties and the local yokels have no jurisdiction to issue a citation to you because those roads are under the jurisdiction of the federal government. And that was a mind blower. And I never hear anybody argue that point.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm sure probably the comeback would be that essentially uh, those officers are working for the state and the state is a franchise of the federal government. So, I mean, they're they're always going to tie little things together one way or another, I think.
1: (laughs) Well, you are. It is correct, because I argue this point all the time. Every municipal corporation, whether legitimate or not, and I'll qualify that in a minute, um, in the United States corporation is under the umbrella of the United States corporation. So you're absolutely right. But you have to prove (laughs) Um, that your county, county, or local yokel has an agency contract. So, yes, we if they do it right, yep, they can prove it. But if they do so, they're exposing the fraud.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and something I wanted to point out as That's, well, uh, you were talking about contract law, and you, you just follow contract law, which I agree with 100% even i remember when i first started researching things i'd you know listen to different people talk and i heard a lot of people arguing about what is supreme trust law or contract law and to me it didn't take a whole lot of research and comprehending how things are laid out to realize that what is supreme is contract law because without contract law there would be no trust the trust Bingo. is formed by contract law and so since these courts are following contract law, which also embodies uh, the Uniform Commercial Code, when you go into the Uniform Commercial Code, they lay out in there specifically that whenever an entity is being identified, it has to be identified by its actual name, not a nickname or anything like that. It has to be identified by its specific name. So when you're talking about uh, Shelby County, That just kind of popped in my head right there is that they are actually uh, doing business in a name that uh, they're not identifying themselves by.
1: Exactly. And I call that fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud because the district attorney, the prosecuting attorney, and the sheriff are all in on it.
0: Yeah, that, that's really specifically. It, it's just uh, acting in the color of law is what they're doing, and and simulating a legal process.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all going on, but I'm telling you, it's fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud. Yeah, you know, and and, and let, me, let me back up a little bit here. Um, when we when I use the term municipal corporation, um, that's a corporation uh they're called government services corporations (GSCs), and in order to be a municipal corporation you have to have an annual letter of determination of status from the irs annual and in the four years since i've known this i have looked at several different um county circuit courts i've looked at county boards i've looked at all kinds of public agencies And none of them, none of them have the annual letter of determination of status by the IRS. And I've had an IRS agent out of Peoria, Illinois, confirm this to one of my associates in person. So, again, I I throw this out to support. It's fraud. It's all fraud. (laughs) Well,
0: Uh, and you know. When you talk about fraud, one, one of the things, too, that needs to be mentioned as well, it, because I, I see this all the time. Uh, people will claim that uh, anything committed under fraud is void uh, due to its origin. Yep. It, but but here, here's here's a difference. So and I think it was Abraham Lincoln, maybe that stated it, that he said that if it's not raised, it's laid, which means if you don't bring up the issue, then it's basically ignored. It's, it's accepted as being true. So something that being void and something being voidable is two different things. Um, it It is not void until it is brought up. If it's a voidable thing, it's a voidable act, then you lay the situation on the table and have it addressed. Because until you do that, it's going to be assumed as being factual and valid.
1: Absolutely. Now in this case I'm advocating in uh, Wisconsin, this divorce, I want to bring this up for your perusal because this is my understanding. So I got this 57 item uh, affidavit that covers everything that we're talking about and a slew more stuff we haven't covered yet. And the bar attorney representing the husband in her response said simply, and I've seen this in so many documents, uh, we deny everything. That's it. That's all she said. Now, the way I understand an affidavit process, you have to address each item individually, point by point. And That's point. my question. For you. I mean, that's my understanding. I, you know, am I wrong here?
0: No, no. That's the way I've always uh, thought of it as well. Is that you know, if you're bringing up you know, eight different points. Um, and guess what? That They need to address each one of those. They can't just put a blanket statement out there and say, oh, we, we deny all of it. And, okay. Whatever. That
1: was precisely my understanding, and I was just astounded that she was this stupid. I mean, these people, <laughs> I wish I could, to the listeners, I wish you would understand that these people really are that stupid. They really are. These judges, these bar attorneys, they really really are that stupid because they are trained fleas in a circus called the bar association and all they know is what the law school taught them. How many people listening know that when a lawyer passes the bar, he has to intern with a law firm because they have never ever taught them how to write a legal document. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they mostly they mostly no procedure,
1: but they can't write a document. You know, they can't write an affidavit. This is this is. I have been
0: under. The- Let me add something to uh, what you're doing in that situation, because this is something that's been kind of going through my mind for the past few months. And when you look at actions that are considered legal actions, and you look at actions that are considered an action in equity. One of the actions in equity is called a suit and partition. And it's normally used as far as a division of property, for instance. But I have thought that it would be very interesting in a divorce situation if added to that would be a suit and partition in which you are also separating the state from the relationship.
1: You bring up a very interesting thing that happened. This gal had to make an additional appearance last week to discuss taxes. And she was before an administrator. And, of course, she went through, we wrote an affidavit specifically for this appearance. Uh, you know, advocate of affidavits I am. And the, 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 the administrator did something of extreme interest. So he's looking at all, all of this stuff on the affidavit the grab. And he said, and I remember this being said, that um, because under, in Wisconsin, a verbal contract between family members is valid. So if you don't understand that, I need to bring that out. Um, but he said that when it came to the taxes, he said that is property. And the property is treated different. And I found that significant. And that goes along with what you just said.
0: Absolutely. You nailed it on the head right there.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, a little tidbit that I want to toss out here. Go ahead.
0: No, Go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, I think it would really be interesting just to see uh the reaction what the reaction would be if a suit and partition was added to a divorce but anyway go yeah, i'm gonna
1: look into that i had not considered that um a little tidbit now this is Rod out of rod ryder if you guys aren't familiar with him he's on youtube the guy is awesome um and he is the one that i learned he said i never met a piece of paperwork i didn't like you know a summons or a complaint or a citation or whatever he says there's always something wrong on every document he's ever seen. Help the people. And I'll just make everywhere on the paperwork, on the electronic court docket, in all the paperwork that the bar attorney has sent, the guy's name appears as John T smith well that's a felony that's a that's a statutory federal felony in the statutes and i don't have it in front of me it says that your legal name in legal proceedings must be that exactly what you find on your certificate of live birth so with that in mind there is no judge John T. Smith. There is nobody in the world that got a bar card by the name of John T. Smith. It must be John Thomas Smith. It has to be. And so basically, um, so they're violating the one statute. And the other, of course, that they're violating that I love even better is that you are impersonating an officer of the court. And it's a, you know, we've talked about style and all caps and and all of that. You know, like you just, it either is this or it's that. It's, you know, um, there is no John T. Smith, none. And there's a felony. And this is something that you will find in every case, in every document, everywhere, all the time across the planet. And so I wanted to toss that up because that's an easy one. You know, that's a good way to for people that are relatively new don't have the experience had, to back them off quick. And I, uh, you know, I can dig up statutes. They're there. They're there. Those are two different statutes. Yeah, that's it. That happens com- in every case. So that, you. Get.
0: That even comes into question. You know, anybody taking oaths, whether it's even the president of the United States, that it it's his right under statute that it has to be done in the full legal name. Well, uh, why do you think they put the full legal name on the driver's license, if it's okay just to use a middle initial or something like that? Well, it's not. It it comes back to that registered organization, and according to Universal Commercial or Uniform Commercial Code, it must be in the full legal name of the registered organization.
1: <laughs> when you mention oath, I start to get all kinds of giddy. Uh, I will just go through this briefly, and I hope you, uh, you know, folks understand it or not. But it's, the concept here is conflicts of oath. Okay. Did you take an oath to the bar? Yeah. Did you take an oath of office? Yeah. Did you take an oath of office to the Freemasons? Yeah. Did you take an oath of office to the Jesuits? Yeah. Did you take an oath of office to the Zionist Mm Khazarians? Yeah. Mm Okay, so where are we at here? Where's your loyalty? So that's number one. I don't I, I want to get into that a month because there's a second one when it comes to oaths. This is just like a, a mortgage, uh, it's not valid unless you have the promissory note, and the promissory note is not valid unless you have the mortgage. It's true also with oaths and bonds. If you have the oath, but not the bond, the oath is invalid. If you have the bond, but you don't have the oath, that is invalid. And that's something I don't think many people understand. So when you bring up oaths, I get all kinds of excited.
0: (laughs) Well, it really boils down to uh, no man can serve two masters, right?
1: Yeah, with the first. Yeah, with the conflicts of oaths, absolutely. Exactly. It's pretty cut. You know, it's cut and dry. Whose master
0: are you serving? Exactly. Well, that was like the conversation that I had with a uh, lady who was touring the U.S. And uh, she was doing different packages for people and stuff like that. But that was one of the struggles that she had because in growing up, she decided she was going to kind of get into the system and and learn how everything worked. You know, she got into real estate. Um, She uh, became a police officer. And she filled numerous roles. And one of her questions one time was uh, that uh, one of the other officers that she was working with, I think it was within the court system, and she said, you know, I, I'm kind of confused here. She said, you know, I, I take an oath to this and I took an oath to that. You know, a lot of us have taken three, four, maybe five different oaths. And she said, what really stands? And, and most everybody she asked us to would just kind of smile and walk away. And f- finally, somebody decided they would answer her and they said, Listen, the only oath that matters is the first one you ever took. All other oaths after that are void.
1: Absolutely. Now, you brought this up some time back that fits into this conversation. It's like, oh, I'm a U.S. citizen. Oh, really? Oh, well, it's a contract uh, because of the certificate of live birth. Well, if you look up Vattle and some of the other things that you quoted, uh, where did I take the oath to the United States Corporation? Where is that? How could I be a citizen if I didn't take the oath? It's a good, it's, you know, it's a valid question.
0: People that are naturalized take the oath.
1: Yes, they do. But we have never, I've, I've never taken an oath of you to the United States. No, I haven't, and I never will. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what I say. I'll never take an oath to a man-made construct. I mean, man-made constructs are what have gotten us in trouble time and time again.
1: So, so Rob Ryder, uh, I'll bring up another interesting point. These are all, again, folks. I've boiled this down to the simplest possible terms. And so where I got familiar with Rob was about five years old. And what the subject is now is writing a love letter to the chief judge of the court. So he's advocating for three cases in in two different states. And he wrote a love letter to the, the chief judge and all three cases dropped. Now that gets my attention because Brian and I are big on we proved it works. Well, this clearly worked. So what do I mean by a love letter? Well, basically, some of the stuff that I've talked about today, did you know what's going on? Here's an easy one you want to start out with. Okay, you got the gold fringe flag in the court. Well, that puts you under military jurisdiction. It's in the military code. It's clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. goes back to the Lieber Code and the 1871 Reconstruction Act, blah, blah, blah. It's clear as a bell. There's nothing to debate here. And so he will start out with that and then the stuff that I had mentioned and a whole slew of stuff that Brian and I know that we could add to that and go, uh, you know, do you know that these crimes and these frauds are be- are being committed under your watch and your jurisdiction? A love note, not an affidavit, not making any charges, not pursuing anything, just, uh, you know, a constructive notice, uh, you know. Uh, so. That is cool. That is cool in itself. So about a week and a half ago, he came up with an, another video and he revisited this subject and he added the following. So we've known for a long time that there's a, an entity within the United States military called the Central Violation Bureau. And basically it was set up, say some private in the army gets drunk, he's driving home, he runs over a farmer's sheep and kills him. So the farmer wants compensation for his sheep. That's what this court was set up for, for the most part. That kind of thing. Crimes, civil crimes committed by active U.S. military. Um, so there's a form. There is a, uh, it's a uh, sworn, it's called a sworn statement form. And I don't write affidavits in the normal fashion i write the affidavit in a normal fashion but i put it on the sworn affidavit military form that's all Just write your affidavit put it on the form and have it notarized now there's a reason for that so now he backs up a little further and brian got into the history of this so he'll understand all our legal system the legal system not the lawful but the legal system is based on the canons of the Vatican Church. That's how it evolved. I'm not going to get into a long-winded historical explanation of that, but that's how it evolved. So so he goes, you know, instead of you writing a love letter to the chief judge, he said, you should have your pastor do it. You should have your pastor come in and, and write everything. The canons of the church and this is a member of my flock it is my duty to advocate for the member of this flock in this matter and with this military sworn statement form if they if this is not addressed appropriately i'm going to have to turn it over to the in the last five years seeing how much success he's had with the Central Violation Bureau, the address is in Texas. You will find it in my files in National Liberty Alliance, Illinois. Um, it's all a show. It's all a poker game. It's all about bluffing. And so you write your pastor writes this love letter using the uh, sworn affidavit form of the military, delineating some of the stuff that I've mentioned and a slew more. And then stating, I am going to have to turn this over to the military. Well, if you look at the Lieber Code, and you read it by the letter of, of what is said, since we are under martial law, since eight, you know, since Lincoln did his thing, um, the military has a right to take the judge out back and shoot him. <laughs> That's what it says. I didn't make this up. That's what it says in the Lieber Code. So, again, I point this out as this love letter to the chief judge sent by your pastor on the uh, military sworn statement form. And at the bottom, your pastor drops the bomb. I may have to turn you over to the military. And that was the point I wanted to make. Well,
0: I want to add something to that because I actually did listen to uh, that video that Rob Ryder put out a few days ago. And One of the things that popped into my head, and it was kind of like a ding, 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 kind of a bell, was, I don't know if people recall hearing this information, oh, probably six, seven years ago, but it came out that the majority of pastors and ministers were part of what's called a clergy response team, a CRT. And when you look at the clergy response team and what was really – Um, trying to occur there, what the state was really trying to do to me, it became obvious that what better way to round up a group of people than through the use of churches and that they could use these ministers, the clergy response team as kind of an arm of the state. And why is that? Because they actually are an arm of the state and if, I mean, not only just through their paperwork and the registrations of their business and everything like that alone, but you go into any church and you had mentioned the gold fringe flag, you're going to see that same flag in every church as well. I well, just found that interesting.
1: I'll, I'm going to take this to a, to a higher level. I'm going to take this to a, a little bit of a higher level here. We are fighting for our, the survival of our species and control of our planet. And part of how this is going to go, because we will win this battle, we are winning this battle, is that we have to retrain our species on responsibility and understanding the truth. And this gets to all organized religions, which are control mechanisms. I'm not going to argue the dogma. I'm just going to say that the churches and the religions are a control mechanism. So if you go to your, and you're absolutely right, Brian, they are 501c3s. They are agents of the corporation for the most part. So to enlighten people about how they're being deceived by their religion, um, you go to your pastor and, you know, write this love letter, and the pastor refuses, that will be a red flag for you that your specific church congregation and or in the bigger picture, your religion is not what you think it is. And they are not there to help you. So, you know, hitting on what you said, that th- this is a an indication of where this pastor stands and who his allegiance is to, which on a spiritual level, I think is incredibly valuable because people are going to have to learn this and the sooner is better than later. And that's my
0: point. Well, there's so many things, John, that are just completely, to me, obvious. And if anybody has a question as to whether or not they're a priest or a pastor or a minister, if they have a question as to if any of them are an officer or official of the state, um, just go to the next wedding that they perform and listen to what he says. He will say, by the power or by the authority vested in me by the state of Ohio or vested in me by the state of Alaska. Well, guess what? There's your
1: evidence right there. Bingo. I never thought of that. Excellent point. Excellent. So, well, folks, beware of your, your congregations and uh, your religions. Actually, excellent. I was thinking about this a little earlier today. Every religion, uh, well, I'll, I'll put a timeline of the last 15,000 years, and I'm not going to get into that because that will be way over most people's heads. But um, women have been subjugated within our species on this planet for 15,000 years. And the cosmic law states that anything against, that restricts your free will is wrong. And every religion that I'm aware of, the mainstream religions, the big ones, and, you know, the big three are Islam and Judaism and Christianity, um, subjugates women. And that's wrong. How can you subjugate half of the species? That's just wrong. That should be another indicator when you examine the dogma of your faith and your religion. I'm not telling you what to believe or not to believe. I'm not dissing your religion. I'm just telling you, you should ask some of these questions.
0: Well, hey, I don't want to question anybody's masculinity out there because, uh, you know, there there is power in masculinity. But when, when it comes down to subjugating someone, who are you going to want to subjugate? You would want to subjugate the most powerful entity in the relationship. And so why do they subjugate women? Because women are the most powerful entity in the relationship bottom line period you could even go in and explore uh some of the even new age movement and they will tell you the divine feminine is the strongest and that's exactly why they would want that subjugated because that's where the power lies without the female there will be no tomorrow sorry just the way it is
1: i'll give you a supporting example why has the United States gotten away with violating every treaty with the Native American tribes? Because they signed those contracts with the men of the tribes. And all of the Native American tribes were matriarchal, and the clan mother was the one that had the authority and if you know your history, we, mur- we, meaning the United States, murdered all the clan mothers, and knowing that the contracts were not valid because the clan mothers didn't sign the treaties. How many people out there know that piece of history?
0: are you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Indian tribes, uh, American Indian tribes, were. Uh, very matriarchal. The women were the ones that held the community together. They, they were the ones that formed the councils and things like that. You know, they did have advisors and, and men did sit in some capacity, but you even look at the majority of cultures, majority of cultures. If you go back, they were all really matriarchal except for the European. They had the European families stayed more patriarchal okay so I, I had an interesting experience I was going out with a, um, a Latin girl while she was half Latin half Spanish all right uh, father was Dominican mother was Puerto Rican and when we would go out to eat be out in public or whatever amongst the general public uh, he was always pulling out her chair Uh, making sure she had, you know, everything she needed, and pampering her. And from the outside, it kind of looked like a man-in-charge kind of situation. But I'll tell you what, when you got home, you found out why he was opening the door for her. You found out why he was holding the chair for her. It's because it was a matriarchal family unit, and she was in charge. And if he didn't do those things, he would catch all holy hell when he got home. Because what you saw happening at home behind closed doors was day and night compared to what you saw out in the general public.
1: Yep. And Again, I don't want to go too far down this road. Brian has some knowledge of this. Um, This is a usurpation. This has been done deliberately over the last 15,000 years by what I generally call the dark Cult, and I can explain that, but maybe not here. Um, this is this was not an accident. This was one deliberately by those that control this planet over the last fifteen thousand years. It's a deliberate act. This was not an accident. And when you bring up the Europeans, okay, so you know it's always a matter of where you put your finger on the timeline um, that actually started more well shit, you know, this goes back to ancient Egypt and Moses and whatever, but um, the 13 families, and then rolling it over into the Illuminati uh, beginnings about 300 years ago, and that's where the modern version of this has really been thrust into our, our, our society. But this is all a deliberate act. It's all done by the bad guys. That's yeah, my I- point.
0: If you even go to the early, early spiritual writings, uh, especially some of them that weren't allowed to be put into uh, the text of the KJV, you'll find that in those it is normally always mentioned the mother and Father, or Father and mother when it comes to talking about um, the heavenly powers. And then they, they roll out with you know today's modern Christianity. Um, starting with, with the 1611 KJV. And, you know, all of a sudden, everything is just father and mother is excluded. And uh, the church is even going as far as to try to uh, demonize <laughs> and, uh, and call the female a whore. So right there, it is, it, it, trying to morph what was going to be going on in the future and doing what they love to do, separate and conquer and, and divide. The masculine and feminine energies from each other.
1: You can bring that up to current terms with Disney. In everything Disney did, the mother always dies. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, folks. This is the meaning behind all of that. The mother always dies. Disney was a pedophile. He was very much in a uh, trafficking children and satanic ritual abuse. John and, and have,
0: John have you looked at the news uh, the past couple days regarding Disney
1: no I, I will tell you Brian about three weeks ago I had a spiritual awakening and I weaned myself off of social media um, and I, I don't watch the news um I did I am aware that there is a story but I had to shut myself off especially at this time because the uh, uh, the deceit is so high right now that it was hurting me spiritually. And so I just, I've cut myself off, is my point. Yeah, I,
0: I've cut myself off from, like, television a long time ago. But I stumbled on something today. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Disney down here on Florida, you know, people want to talk about the Vatican, Washington, D.C., City of London, well, you know what? You could pretty much lump... Uh, Disney down here in Orlando, Florida, right in with those other three because they've allowed to be in an autonomous state pretty much to themselves. They have yes, their own I government.
1: Remember
0: that. Yep. They yes. have their own government. They have their own fire department, police, and all of that thing. They are completely autonomous. Exactly. And here in the last day or two, uh, because of some of the liberal views that Disney has been starting to push, uh, Governor DeSantis says that he's going to take that privileged status away from them.
1: Yes. Yes. I was that's shocked sh- when I found out that Disney was autonomous. I was
0: shocked. Yeah. That's one of the things Not I've surprised. said to people.
1: Not surprised. <laughs> just shocked.
0: That's, that's one of the things <laughs> I've said to people. Hey, you, you want to... You know, go live in another country. You don't even have to leave the good old U.S. of A. Uh, you can just go to down to Orlando and go to work for Disney and live there because uh, they're their own little uh, sect all to themselves right there. And I use the sect word sect specifically because you listen to interviews of people who have worked there, and it's really a cult when it comes right down to it, the way everything is run. They are a total cult.
1: yes. It's, and the cult is the satanic ritual abuse, the world satanic council. Yes, and that's why I said not only is he a pedophile, but he's been responsible. Oh, the oh God, who can guess? Hundreds of thousands, millions of children disappearing.
0: Yeah, I I, I wouldn't give a penny to anything Disney. I wouldn't watch anything Disney. Um, if I had offspring, I'd be like, sorry, you don't get the Mickey Mouse shirt. Not happening. <laughs>
1: I'm thinking to myself, if if my if I had children of an age that wanted to go to Disney and I decided to go there, they'd be handcuffed to me. <laughs> literally. Well, literally. You
0: know, here in the past but, couple of years, they've gotten rid of uh, dog racing at a lot of the parimutuel tracks. And uh, every, I ask people when they bring it up, I ask them, do you know whose money primarily was pushing to get rid of the dog racing and of course everybody says no but the the biggest supporter to get rid of the dog racing was disney and because in a certain sect of people there is a viewpoint that competition is evil and so if somebody else is supplying entertainment then you need to get rid of them And, and they've been pretty successful at it
1: well they pulled that crap here in Illinois um, when Illinois passed casino legislation and, and started to get casinos uh, the horse race tracks asked for assistance from the state because of the competition how galling is that
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well if you can't if you You know, don't know how to manage yourself to be able to either profit from or benefit from that that competition, and there's something serious wrong with you, and you probably should be going out of business.
1: Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's the way the game is, and they gave it to them, they gave me actually gave me,
0: yeah, no great surprise, no great surprise. Well, we've been here for over an hour, John. I think we're gonna run. I think we've pretty much hit some things that should get some people's wheels turning in their head a little bit. And uh, I tell people every week, you know, if you want to know where you're supposed to be looking, what you're supposed to study, find out who you really are, where you're really from and where you're really at, because you've been deceived on all three of those. Have a good night, John. Okay.
1: All right. Remember, sue the private public official in her private con- capacity as an employee of the corporation that's your remedy
0: well myself i prefer just uh, not be in conflict with them yeah. uh and if you're going to sue them how about this don't sue them monetarily you can sue them for other things
1: no i want the money brian i've got hundreds <laughs> of millions of lawsuits coming I am under remedy and I'm going after these bastards. And I have said for years, and you know this, there will come a time when it's appropriate to file these cases in federal court. That time is now. I want the freaking money. I'm going after <laughs> these bastards. I understand your point, but the stuff that they've done to me with stealing my, my girlfriend's house and a fraudulent foreclosure, this malicious prosecution, it's cost me. A lot of money and I'm I want my money. Period. <laughs> you go
0: for it, bro. You go for it. Catch you all next week, guys. Thanks. Hey buddy.
1: Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, bro. Bye. Be well. Bye.